I was once taking a walk around Stanley Park, this seawall, and it was low tide. And I noticed there was a man at the beach with a metal detector who was kind of combing the beach with that metal detector, trying to find something valuable or precious in the sand. And I thought to myself, okay, there's no way this person will ever find anything. This is so improbable. But it turns out when I walked closer, he had kind of a collection of some things closest to him, kind of some trinkets of metal that he had found there in the sand. But still, the idea that someone would take a metal detector and expect to find some sort of treasure in the sand seems highly improbable to me. Likewise, whenever I hear this parable, one of the parables in the Gospel today, about the treasure that someone finds in the field, this seems to me like science fiction. So we heard again in today's Gospel a number of parables that Jesus is using to describe the Kingdom of Heaven. Again, this great mystery of what it means to follow Christ to build up this kingdom of heaven in the world where there is justice and where there is peace. And I'd like to just focus on this one parable, this parable that tells a story of a man who finds a buried treasure in a field, sells all he has to buy this field with great joy, purchases it, and has this great happiness. Again, this seems very improbable, very strange. You can imagine kind of driving through Abbotsford, stopping our car, getting out, and taking a shovel to the fields out there in Abbotsford and expecting to find something in the farmland. It just seems a bit far-fetched. However, in antiquity, this doesn't seem so kind of out of the ordinary or doesn't seem so extraordinary that someone would actually find a treasure in a field. One biblical scholar, Richard France, explains it this way. He says that before banking was generally established, to hide wealth in the form of coins, metal, or jewels in a jar or box in the ground was a recognized way of securing it, especially in times of crisis. So in Jesus' time, actually, in the Holy Land, if someone had some extra money, a war was coming, they didn't put it in a bank, they would oftentimes seal this treasure into a jar and actually bury it in a field somewhere, hopefully where they would remember where to find it. A famous example we find of this, of people burying treasure around the time of Jesus, comes from something called the Copper Scroll. So the Copper Scroll was discovered around the 1940s in Qumran, which is a location in the Holy Land close by the Dead Sea. So in the 1940s there in Qumran, some Bedouins found various caves with different documents, different scrolls in them. A lot of these scrolls were put in jars. And it's thanks to this discovery that we have some of the earliest pieces or fragments of biblical texts. We have, for example, a scroll from Isaiah, almost complete, that dates to around 200 years before Christ. So these are some of the oldest biblical documents around. In addition to finding biblical documents in these caves, they also found some other documents or texts that were hidden there. And one very famous one is a copper scroll, because it was made of, guess what? copper. And so this copper scroll actually is like a treasure map of the area. So on this copper scroll, someone had hidden all these things in the desert, precious treasures, precious jewels, and on this scroll wrote down where to find them, kind of like a pirate's map. I'd like to read just part of it here. It says, in the ruin that is in the valley of Achor, under the steps, which the entrance at the east, a distance of 40 cubits, a strong box of silver and its vessels with a weight of 17 talents can be found. So you can imagine that when this copper scroll was found in the 1940s, 
a bunch of different people went and tried to find these treasures, but it seems like people had already found them. The owners had gone back for them because nothing was there. But we see ultimately then that this idea of finding buried treasure in a field isn't so uncommon at the time. What I think is most important about this parable ultimately is one word that you find in it. And this word is joy. We have here a worker in the field. Probably it's a worker who finds the treasure. So he's not being paid a whole lot. He doesn't have a whole lot of money, but he finds something that he knows is of great wealth, great value. It's a treasure. And so he sells everything that he has. He makes an enormous sacrifice, but he goes ultimately and makes this sacrifice with joy because of what he knows he will get out of it. He keeps his eyes focused ultimately on the goodness for which he is making the sacrifice. This word then of joy is so important in the parable. It ultimately teaches us then that in following Jesus and in everything else, there is an extraordinary difference between doing something because we have to do it and because we want to do it. So of course this difference between doing something because we have to or because we want to. So recently, maybe like some of you, I was watching Messi playing soccer. He's there in Miami now. He's moved there recently, so I don't want to get into any fights here, but arguably the greatest soccer player ever. But anyway, you can have your opinions. Um, but anyway, he's gone there to play in Miami, ultimately this incredible star. And I was thinking, okay, what was it like for Messi growing up when he was practicing soccer? Was he kind of like forced to practice soccer? And maybe some days his parents kind of woke him up, got him out of bed and sent him to practice. But I think if he was just forced to practice soccer, it wouldn't have worked out for him that he would have become this great talent. Ultimately, Messi, of course, wanted to play soccer. It was a great desire for him. He loves the game. Playing soccer ultimately was the treasure for him, something that he was making a lot of sacrifices to do. So again, though probably some mornings Messi didn't want to go out and train, he wanted to do it in the long run because he saw the good in it, the value in playing soccer. The same, of course, goes for when we follow Jesus. Just like that man in the parable, we make sacrifices to follow Christ. And we shouldn't kind of sweep this under the rug and think, okay, following Jesus, being a disciple, living out my vocation faithfully is easy. It's not easy. There's challenges. There's difficulties. Forgiving people is hard. Sacrificing for others is difficult. We make challenges. We make struggles. It's difficult at times to follow Christ. But like Messi, like that man in the parable, we want to focus ultimately on the treasure, the why we follow Jesus, why we follow Jesus, the wanting to do that, not because we're forced, the treasure ultimately for us in following Christ, the goodness and beauty we find in following Jesus, the joy we feel when we serve others, the peace and support we find in our church community. We need then, I think the gospel reminds us, to always stay focused on this goodness, this treasure, the why of ultimately we're following Jesus for. We ultimately know, of course, that there's a big difference between doing something because we're forced and because we want to do it. So perhaps in this Mass, then, in light of the Gospel, we can remind ourselves or call to mind, what is that treasure for us? What is that reason why we want to follow Jesus, that goodness that we see that is there? 
course, following Jesus isn't always going to be joyful, always going to be easy, but ultimately, if we focus on that goodness, that treasure in our life, we will do it with greater joy as we follow Christ. So what is that treasure for each of us?